1942, a younger soldier took his uh, new bride to California where he was stationed for more training. And then, I guess like a lot of soldiers, he was then taken away from his young bride for two more weeks, uh, I guess for more training. And during that time, um, she was overcome by loneliness and heat and the primitive living conditions. And so back in that day, as a lot of folks did, she wrote a letter. We don't know much about that today, but uh, you may remember those days. She wrote a letter to her mother. And in the letter, she told her mother she just couldn't simply take it any longer. And her mother wrote her back. And in her mother's letter, here's what her mother included. She included these two lines. Two men sit in prison bars. One sees mud. The other stars. Two men sit in prison bars, the one sees mud, the other stars. And beloved, that couplet transformed the young woman's attitude. I mean, she's still in the same circumstances. She's still there lonely. The heat is the same. The primitive living conditions. But she began to see God in her circumstances. And she began to look for opportunities to make the best of her situation. And you know what? In our lives, we have to make the same choice, don't we? We can choose to focus on the problems and the trials and the obstacles and the walls and the hardships. We can focus on all of that or we can choose to focus on our great God. This morning we come to the final message in our series, Favorite Bible Stories. And uh, next week, God willing, we'll begin a new series on the life of Jacob called He's Still Working on Me. But uh, in today's story... Uh, favorite Bible story, we find some folks that face the same decision. Would they focus on God or would they focus on the wall in front of them? And I'm speaking, of course, about the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, which was then, of course, later. You may know the song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. You guys might sing that one. I don't know. Um, But uh, a familiar story, I'm sure, to many. You'll find it in the book that bears his name, Joshua chapter 6. And if you'll find your place there, we're going to read that entire chapter today and study uh, together the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. But after all these years, we have the children of Israel. They're finally in the land of milk and honey. They're finally in the promised land. And it's time to begin conquering. It's time to begin possessing their possession, what God has given to them. But before them stood a huge obstacle. Before them stood a walled, fortified city called Jericho. Jericho is a walled city. In fact, excavations there reveal that its fortifications featured a stone wall 11 feet high and 14 feet wide. Now think about that. 11 feet high, 14 feet wide. At its top was a smooth stone slope angling upward at 35 degrees for 35 feet. And there it joined massive stone walls that towered even higher. Now imagine the city is surrounded by 11 feet high walls that are 14 feet wide. And at its top, it goes even higher. It is, it seems impregnable. How in the world are we ever going to get in this city? What's going to, what are we going to do? Here's the wall. Here's the promise of God. A choice had to be made. Are they going to focus on the wall or focus on God? Well, we know from the story, because we're not living it real time like they were. We're looking back. 
We know that Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So we know the end of the story. We know that we're victorious, but let's back up and let's get the details of the story. Let's look at Joshua chapter six, verses one through twenty seven. And we're going to see Joshua and the battle of Jericho here. Joshua chapter six, beginning at verse one. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out. And none came in. So, I mean, it's sealed tight, sealed shut. Nobody coming out, nobody going in. It was something to be reckoned with. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now, I want you to read that verse carefully again. Do you notice something significant in verse 2? The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Did you notice that God spoke in the past tense there? He didn't say, I will give it to you. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. I have already done this. Now, it's still standing. The wall is still there. The city's still there. It's still there to be reckoned with. But God says, listen, I've given it to you. Past tense. I love what uh, Erwin Lutzer wrote about this. He said, God often speaks in the past tense about events that are still in the future. Think about that. God often speaks in the past tense about events that are still in the future. Just as Israel uh, was given the land by God as a present possession. So now we. As believers have been blessed, according to Ephesians 1, 3, with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places with Christ. Right now, in the middle of our, all of our defeats, all of our things we're dealing with, and all the defeats and all the victories we already have, according to Ephesians 1, 3, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Always remember, beloved, that God is not bound by time. He's above time. He's beyond time. He transcends time. He sees uh, yesterday, tomorrow to us. It's all open book to him. And he says to Joshua and the children of Israel, see, I've given you Jericho. It's king. It's people. I've given it to you. Amen. And he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places with Christ right now. Hallelujah. Now back to Joshua. Verse three. Here's where it gets a little unusual. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. So the soldiers, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. That's the ark of the covenant. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, God makes them a promise here, beloved. The wall is going to fall. I've given the city into your hand. But here's what you have to do. March around the city. Pick up the story. Verse six. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. So you have the Ark of the Covenant. You have seven priests before it with seven ram's horns. Verse seven. 
said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark. So you have soldiers, you have seven priests with ram's horns, you have the ark of the covenant. Verse 8. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests to blow the trumpets and the rear guard came up after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Have you got the picture? You've got soldiers... Then you have seven priests with trumpets, the ram's horns. You have the Ark of the Covenant. And then behind them is the rear guard. You have more soldiers. And they're marching around the wall. Verse 10. Now Joshua commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So get that picture in your mind. You've got soldiers, you've got seven priests with the ram's horns, you've got the Ark of the Covenant, you've got soldiers behind them, and the only sound is the sound of their marching and those horns blowing. No talking, no other sound, no shouting, no, no chattering, no conversation, just marching around this wall. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continuing and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went away before them. The rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Verse 14. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. Same scene. Same characters, same actions, same process. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day... What? Verse 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened that when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Had to wake some of you up. Verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in, her, in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent, that we sent. And you by all means abstain from accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpet. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall all fell down flat and the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house from there, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her and the young men who went since spies. Uh, who had been spies, went in and brought out Ray. I love this part, by the way. We're not studying this part, but I love this part of the story. See what kind of person Rahab was. Look at who all was in her house. Only those who were in her house, she had to go out and win these people to come. They brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. 
Verse 24. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest. He shall set up its gates. Pretty serious there. Verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. There is so much we could talk about. From those 27 verses in the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. But there are three main things that come to mind today that I want to share with you. And I want to center our thoughts around it. Let me just give you a little uh, help today because you might get nervous if I don't. I'm going to break the rules of preaching, if you will. uh, Because really when you're taught, you're supposed to have balanced points. You're supposed to spend kind of an equal amount of time upon point one and point two and point three. But I'm encouraged, okay? We're going to spend a lot of time on point one. And then just a brief time on two and three. I'm just encouraging you because when the clock gets to five till noon, you think, he's still on point one. But don't get discouraged. Because <laughs> point two and three is going to go very quickly. First of all, here's the first thing I want to remind you of from this passage. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Uh, if you didn't get anything else, just get that. The battle is the Lord's. Now you realize that Joshua is one of the greatest military leaders in all of history. But let's be honest about it. From a human standpoint, from a military strategy standpoint, even from a common sense standpoint, this was an unusual way to try to defeat a walled city. March around the city once, six days in a row, and then on the seventh day, march around seven times, blow some ram's horns, and shout, and wait for the wall to fall down. Where in the world did he come up with such a plan? I mean, think about it. What other general would say, well, okay, fellas, here's the plan. We're going to do this. And they all look at him like you've got three heads. What are you talking about? Well, I'd like to submit to you today that uh, Joshua didn't come up with the plan. I'd like to submit to you today that it was God who came up with the plan. In fact, I think we see where the plan originated. You might need to turn your page back to chapter 5, or it may be on the same page where you are. But in chapter 5, at the very end, we find a very interesting account in the life of Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked to behold a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now look at verse 14 of chapter 5. So he said, No, but as the commander Of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Now watch this. And worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Verse 15, chapter 5. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. I'd like to submit to you today, beloved. That this is none other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ who met Joshua. The pre-incarnate, you know, before he became as a babe in Bethlehem, he appears here to Joshua as the commander of the army of the Lord. And we know it had to be the Lord. Why? Because he received worship. An angel never received worship. Get up. 
Don't worship me. You worship God. But he not only received worship, he said, take your sandal off your feet because the place where you stand is holy ground. And I believe it was right here as Joshua met the commander of the army of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. I believe it was right here where the Lord lays out the plan for Joshua and Jericho. To say, here's what you're going to do, Joshua. I think it's what emboldened him and helped him to go back and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. The Lord has said we're doing this. And they all got in line and they marched around. It was God's plan for them to march around that city. This unusual plan was actually God's plans. It reminds us that His thoughts and His ways are so much higher than ours. And may I say that sometimes, dare I say many times, God calls us to do something that doesn't make sense to us. God calls us to do something that doesn't make sense to us. But His ways are higher than our ways. As Boyce noted, in God's world, there's no substitute for full obedience. That's what God wants, full obedience. But why this strategy? I got to thinking about this. Why march around and around? Why not just one time around? But just day one, march around seven times. Lord, everything falls down. Why day one, go back to the camp? Day two, go back to the camp. Day three, day four, day five, day six, then day seven. And then on day seven, not just one time around, but two times and three times and four times and five times and six times and seven times. And then the ram's horns are blown and then the wall comes down. And then wouldn't they be worn out by the time they march around seven times? Then they got to go battle. Why? Well, I think, first of all, it definitely taught them an important lesson. And that is the lesson of obedience. The lesson of obedience. Good soldiers don't question. They do. Right, Shane? They don't question. They do. They do. Yes, sir. You do this. Yes, sir. You don't question it. You do. Michael Youssef tells about General George Patton's unusual way for selecting officers for promotion. In fact, General Patton writes about this in his book. Patton would take a group of officers behind a warehouse. And here's what he said to that group of officers. Now, not just common soldiers, but officers. I want you to dig a trench on that spot. Dig it eight foot long, three feet wide and six inches deep. (laughs) And so there they are. He would give them the orders, dig this trench. And then he would leave and let the officers get to work. Now, what they didn't know was that General Patton would slip into the warehouse and he would eavesdrop on their conversation and what they were saying while they were digging that trench. Some would complain. Some of those officers would say, this is grunt work. It's demeaning to make an officer dig trenches. (laughs) Others would say, the old man must be nuts. We've got machines that could dig this trench in two minutes. And then others, I guess, more analytical, they would say, well, why six inches? What is he going to do with such a shallow trench? But there was always, almost always one man who would say something along these lines. Who cares about what old so-and-so wants us to do with this trench? Who cares what he's doing with this trench? The sooner we get the job done, the sooner we get out of here. Now, you want to guess which one? The General Patton would often pick. He picked the last one. Why? Because he knew that a leader who could take orders is a leader who could give orders. 
A leader could receive orders, could give orders. And as I read that, I thought, I wonder how many times as Christians are we like those soldiers? Our commander in chief says to do thus and so. And what do we do? We complain and we balk and we sulk and we pout and we analyze it and we wonder and we get into the paralysis of analysis. Well, does God really want us to do instead of saying, yes, Lord, and doing what he tells us to do and then to top it off. You realize, I hope, that our commander in chief is always eavesdropping on our conversations. And to make it even worse, he's even eavesdropping on our very thoughts. We don't even have to speak it. And he knows it. No, beloved, we need to obey. When he speaks, we need to obey sweetly. We need to obey completely and obey immediately. And may I remind you, dear brother and sister in Christ, even though we may not like to talk about it or think about it or ponder it. The Bible says that we are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember singing onward, Christian soldiers. I remember we used to do the pledges back in my home church. and We often sang onward, Christian soldiers. So we would do the pledge to the Christian flag and then we'd sing onward, Christian soldiers. The Bible says in Second Timothy, chapter two. Verses three and four, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he must plead that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Endure hardness. You're a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to trust Christ for the resources we need to fight the battles. The battle is the Lord. Now, I don't know what wall you're facing today. And I don't know what hardship you're facing. I don't know what problem you're facing. But whatever it is, you might be thinking this morning, well, preacher, if I was honest, if I were to, to if we were able to have a conversation, you say, listen, these things are too great for me. I, I, I don't know what to do. They're too great. And you know what? You're right. They are too great for you. And there's things in my life that are too great for me. That's why we need the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. It's his. And they were being taught obedience there. Imagine those men of war walking around, no talking, nothing, just marching around and going back to camp day after day after day. You see, I believe they were also being taught another important lesson in this process, and that's the lesson of dependence. Put yourself in their sandals for a moment. Imagine yourself walking around that city wall. There's no talking. There's the sound of ram's horns blowing. There's the sound of the footfall and... um, Maybe there were Jericho soldiers up on the wall taunting them and mocking them, maybe hollering out. Who knows what was going on? But there they are. And put yourself in their sandals. You're there. You're not talking to them, but you're marching and you kind of take a glance over at that wall. That high, thick wall. So big, so high, so strong. And you do this not just one day, but two days and three days and four days. Maybe from the camp, you can see the wall. And I think it would begin to sink in after a while, after day, after day, after day. It would begin to sink in in your mind that unless the Lord does a work, we're sunk. Unless the Lord does this, we're sunk. And beloved, maybe that's where you are in your life today. You say, unless the Lord works this out, I'm sunk. And you're right. You are. And they were too. Unless the Lord battles for us, we're sunk. We're absolutely hopeless and helpless without Him. And you're facing a wall in your life today, aren't you? 
You can't get around it. You can't get through it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. It seems to grow higher and thicker and stronger every day. And beloved, the reason why, and I'm going to be kind in saying this, because I say it to my own heart as well. The reason why we get to that point is because we spend too much time looking at the wall rather than looking at our God. I don't think you heard me. We spend more time looking at the wall than we do looking at our God. You see, you need to glance at the wall, but gaze at your God. Glance at the wall. Yeah, it's there. It's too much for me. I can't get over it, through it, under it. I can't conquer that wall. I'm going to glance at that, but I'm going to look and gaze upon my God. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's. Now, I told you, right? Point one, you'll get about five minutes till noon. Say, oh, no. He's still on point one. Where here comes two and three. Okay. The battle is the Lord's. Therefore, the victory is the Lord's. Now, the children of Israel were obedient here. Yes. And that's a key point. They were obedient. But I hope you realize it wasn't their marching and it wasn't their trumpet playing and it wasn't their shout that brought the wall down. It was God who did that. God was the victor. God was the one that was victorious. We see here a display of his mighty power. Imagine this massive fortified city, this wall. Can you imagine the people on the inside, what they thought when they saw the walls toppled down? Can you imagine what the people of Israel thought when they saw the walls toppling down? Why? Because the battle is the Lord, the victory is the Lord's. And so therefore, and here's the key point, the glory is the Lord's. The glory is the Lord's. Verse 27 is interesting. The passage ends, the story ends at verse 27 where it says, So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Now it says that Joshua's fame spread. He said, Preacher, I thought you said the glory belongs to the Lord. But here it says that Joshua's fame spread throughout. And you're right, it did spread. But don't read that verse too quickly. Why? Because the key is in the first part of the verse. Verse 27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua. And because the Lord was with Joshua, his fame spread throughout all the country. Joshua was God's man going at God's command, executing God's plan. Joshua was God's man going at God's command, executing God's plan. Do you see how much the Lord delights to work in the lives of his people? He loves us, number one. Don't ever forget that. God loves you. And he loves to work on our behalf to battle for us. So that he gets a victory and the glory in and through our lives. And so the question this morning, and I don't know what wall you're facing, what problem you're facing is this. Where is our focus and where is our faith? Is our focus upon the problem, the obstacle, the trial, the trouble, the circumstances? Or is our focus upon our glorious God? Is our faith in us or someone else? Or is it in God? Remember Hebrews 11.30 we read at the very beginning of the message? It said, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And so the question today is this. Are we look, looking at walls or are we looking at our God? It's high time that we as believers step out in faith as good Christian soldiers like Joshua and these people. But sad to say, many in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're anything but a bunch of soldiers. You remember that song I talked about, the armored Christian soldiers? 
Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on. But you remember that one? Well, George Verwer, who's the founder of a missionary group called Operation Mobilization, he rewrote the words to fit many people today. And here's what he wrote. Backward Christian soldiers fleeing from the fight with the cross of Jesus nearly out of sight. And I'm afraid, if we're honest, that's a much truer version of this. You know, more lies are told in church with a hymn book than anything else. Did you know that? More lies are told in church with a hymn book than anything else. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. But be honest about it tonight. Are you one that could sing all more Christian soldiers? Or you'd have to say, listen, I'd have to sing back to Christian soldiers. Because you've nearly lost sight of the cross. The battle is the Lord's, beloved. The victory is the Lord's and the glory belongs to the Lord. So I want to encourage you, whatever wall you're facing today, whatever problem, whatever obstacle, whatever it is that you're facing, bring it to the Lord. Fall before him as Joshua did. They were the commander of the army of the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. Here's what we're facing. I trust you. I look to you for direction. I look to you for instruction. I want to be obedient to you. And then when the Lord gives direction, you're obedient. You say, what if it doesn't make sense? Obey it anyway. If it's a command of the Lord. And so we take this familiar story that we loved in Sunday school. Maybe if you had a very dynamic Sunday school teacher, maybe even you marched around the table in your Sunday school class and you marched around and marched around. And you were really hoping as a little boy or girl that table would fall down. And if you were in that class long enough, it probably did fall down after a while with all of you in there. But it's more than just a neat little story. It's more than just something to say, well, that's so neat. God has lessons for you and me. The battle that you're facing belongs to the Lord. Give it to Him so He can get the victory and the glory in your life. Father, thank you for this familiar Bible story. Thank you for the faith that we see that Joshua and the people of Jericho exhibited. Lord, I pray today for someone here who is maybe facing battles and walls and obstacles in their own lives, that you would work and move and Lord, bring them to the point of submission and obedience and saying, Lord, I admit this is too much for me. I give it to you. I'm going to quit looking at it. And I'm going to look to you. Build my faith. Help me to trust you. Help me to obey you and follow you in these matters. Have your will and your way in this invitation time, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 294, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And I don't know what it is that you're facing today, beloved, but God does and you do. And I would invite you today to come to this altar and give that to the Lord. Let him know, just admit to it, Lord, this is more than I can handle, more than I can bear, but I know it's not too much for you. So I give it to you and I pray that you'll take it and that you'll battle on my behalf. And we invite you to come as we stand and sing. 294, have thine own way, Lord.